Welcome to League One Fun. This is Ira Jersey, your host for the day with an interview podcast speaking with the general managers of a couple of USL League One teams. First with me is the general manager of the Richmond Kickers, Matt Spear. You're, you're also the president, too. Is that right? I, I don't you know. The titles sometimes get a little murky for me. Hey, Ira. Hope you're doing well, man. Um, yeah, titles, smiles, right? I, I don't really like titles too much. And um, technically, my, my title is president. Um, we'll put that as a small P, not a big P. Um, I, I'm not the general manager. Uh, I actually shifted that away when we brought in Darren Sawatsky as our sporting director. And he took over many of the general manager roles, especially on the soccer side. Well, that's great. We'll get into how Darren's been integrating in a few minutes. But first, I think we need to talk about um, you know some of the bigger news of the day. And one of the reasons why we're back speaking with folks like you is because there is now at least the semblance of a, a plan to return to play. So July 18th, the league is supposed to get back on the field with the first matches. Um, you know, what what kinds of preparations have you had to do from the team level um, in you know speaking with both players? Players, your local players, as well as interactions maybe with the Players Association um, and uh, and the league. And so, so what have those interactions been like over the last couple of weeks as you've um, started to think about returning back to the pitch? So, Ira, I know you have about four hours for me, so I'll, I'll start and go real slowly on that whole topic. I'm kidding. Um, it is, uh, you write a book about this season and, and everybody could write a book about this year. And, um, you know, to everybody listening, wishing you and your family um, well-being, mental health, and, and physical health, and, and dealing with jobs, and, 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 and a lot of stuff going on in this world. So I want to get that out there on the front end. But it is uh, it's super challenging, and, you know, I don't want to use cliches, but, you know, I'll throw them out there, the new normal and paradigm shift and reimagining everything from the top down. Um, you know, I think COVID and obviously Black Lives Matter um, coupling together you know, everything has to, to be looked at differently. And, and there's a lot of positives with that. Um, and I think this is a change agent, but it's also an accelerator of things that we're already needing to be evolving. So uh, a little preface there. To your question, I think on, you know, all the logistics, there's just a lot of pieces in play and they're, they're changing daily uh, in each market that the USL is in. You know, it's it's uh, some 47 markets on the pro side. If you have 35 at the championship level and 12 at the um, at the League One level, a couple of those do overlap. But um, so it, it is changing daily. Um, what we really want to focus on two things: safety, obviously. You know, job number one for our players and our coaches and our staff and our fans and anybody else in the community uh, that interacts with us. Um, you know, at games and, and events and around town. Uh, and then secondly, to me, is the soccer side of things. I, I'm just a, I'm a soccer guy at the core. And to me, I, I was really, you know, pu- pushing and promoting as many other uh, folks uh, at the club you know, leadership level to, to really have a season because I want our players to continue to develop and I want our uh, coaches to continue to, to develop and mentor. Um, I just felt like a lost season, a canceled season uh, would be really tough and, and crippling in some ways on our players. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, I'll pause there for kind of follow up questions. 
I guess sticking with the players for a moment, we've obviously had a missed, you know, the whole COVID thing, and we were just getting ready to get back to play, and then of course we had, um, the, you know, the Breonna Taylor and George Floyd incidents, which created an upswell of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know, how has that affected the players in and around Richmond? I know there's been a lot of things going on, you know, in in town center, but for from your team's perspective, you know, what types of um, you know, actions did did the club have to take in order to mm-hmm. uh, in order mm-hmm. to, I don't want to say cope, but in order to acknowledge mm-hmm. the uh, you know the challenges that a lot of people in this country have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean nobody is immune to this this change of COVID and Black Lives Matter, and I think one thing that we did well, not to pat ourselves on the back, but one thing that really helped us um, stay unified as a club and as a um, as a team is we were able to keep all the players in market and many clubs did not choose to do that. And I don't judge that they have, they had their own choices, but um, we did keep, you know, all of our players in market, all of our coaches uh, in market and all of our staff um, have continued on. Um, so we didn't have to send players away. We didn't have to furlough staff. Um, so that, that really provided a great base of, uh, of our people, which are our greatest assets for sure. Um, and then on top of that, in terms of the team, I mean, Darren, our coach Wojcicki and, and, uh, you know, Mika, uh, our assistant coach and Ray, our team operations manager and Cluey, our goalkeeper coach and Gigo, our athletic trainer and Dr. Roberts. I mean, they have been incredible, incredible. I mean, it's just, I'm a former coach, as you may know, and, um, I have just been overwhelmed by their ability to adjust and continue to impact, um, you know, you, you talk about Zoom calls, obviously everybody's doing that around the world, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's the personal connections that then they've been able to um, strengthen through this. And they will tell you better than I will be because they're, on, it, they're on, the, on, the, on the ground floor with these guys every single day is they actually know their players a lot more and the players know each other a lot more and the players know the coaches a lot more than they would have without COVID-19 and without Black Lives Matter. And so if there's a silver lining in any of this is our relationships within our organization are, are stronger and they're more open and they're more transparent. And, and that, that, you know, that's very hopeful for me. In terms of safety, you know, obviously, uh, again, every market's different. And for, you know, until fairly recently, you know, our players have been essentially training on their own with, you know, uh, uh, planning from, our athletic trainer and also um, from our coaching staff. And so, you know, staying fit and staying sharp. Um, they did a lot more than that. They did little projects together and, you know, Zoom calls and uh, bonding, you know, things on, you know, virtual bonding things, we get to know each other more, communication, et cetera, uh, about soccer and otherwise. And so I, I think we maximized a difficult situation in terms of the, of the player and the technical side. Um, but now they're training and that's great. And we'll have a return to, actual you know training with uh players and and contact fairly soon as well um and then games thereafter so it's it's we're getting closer to to the to the real world in terms of live soccer not quite there yet but if everything continues to to process as we hope um, we will be there sooner before uh later 
So as we think about the return to play and, and, you know, obviously the players training is a great thing. And where as we record on the 25th of June, there's, you know, more or less four weeks before we're supposed to kick off the season. What have you had to make arrangements for that you know of right now um, for having fans in stadiums? Because USL League One and the USL Championship will be the first leagues to come back in North America with fans in stadiums. So, um, so obviously, the you know, in a way, you guys are going to be the test case for a lot of other leagues. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of, that goes into you know do uh, creating a stadium environment where people feel comfortable in coming and and uh, is actually uh, safe for fans. So, um, so, so what types of interactions have you had? What have you been told you have to do? And uh, you know, do you anticipate? Um, you know, how frequently do you uh, talk with health officials at, at either the local or state level? Yeah, I appreciate you putting that out or, or on the front end of that comment that, you know, kudos, congratulations, whatever the word is to our ownership groups at the championship and league one level and the league uh, office to, to, to be the first soccer league in, in, the, in the U.S. To, to have an intent to play inside our own stadiums. Um, I think that's a tremendous commitment. Um, and um, so that's, that's hugely important. But uh, um, I think, you know, every market's different. So there's, there's, there's protocols, there's a 51-page document on the Internet now if anybody really wants to get into the, the nitty-gritty and the, um, you know, the minutia of the return to play and protocols and cleaning and all those kinds of things. Um, the league is trying to be transparent. It's on the USL League One website now, but on, I think, today. People really want to learn more they can. Um, but it, I think it shows how thorough the league is trying to be and how thorough the clubs are trying to be to ensure safety for our players. Um, and, and, and in some ways, they're going to be in a bubble. They're just not going to be in a pod like MLS is doing in Orlando, you know, or NBA or Women's League in Utah, et cetera. So um, we're going to try to you know, keep, keep the players and the coaches and staff as much as we possibly can safe. And uh, there will be weekly testing um, and, and there will be protocols if someone um, does get infected how they're separated out, et cetera. So um, it's, uh, you know, travel is going to be a little bit different, a little bit unique. Um, you know, our schedule has not been announced yet, not too far down the road, but, but um, you know, people probably know that we're going to try to do as many closer games as we can to try to avoid air travel. Um, so more, more busing games ideally, but that'll come out sooner than later. Um, and I think with local officials, we do, because as you know, every market, every state is different. So even in Virginia, you know, you, you know, a few weeks ago, for example, the governor made this announcement about phases one, two, and three and some things going on. Well, the mayor in Richmond, LeVar Stoney, actually, who I know and respect, he actually said, we're not ready in Richmond for that. So he was able, he actually minimized and pulled back even a little bit further. And so you have both local, you know, mayors, and then you have state level, and then you obviously have federal as well. So, and they all can be overlapping or slightly different. Um, but it's, uh, I think for safety wise, I mean, I'll tell you for Virginia right now, if we enter phase three, which could be as early as July 1st is kind of the current uh, updating climate is we would be allowed to have up to 1000 people uh, in our stadium. And so that is, whether it be good or bad, it's, it's a reality. Um, it certainly be better than some markets that will have to do closed door games maybe not as good as some markets that we able to have more capacity, 50% or what have you. Um, but as of now, um, if, unless things change and they can, of course, you know, we'd be able to have a thousand people in there. Um, and, uh, and that's exciting to have some of our fans and, 
uh, obviously engage our sponsors and partners, et cetera. So it's not closed door. People can actually see our, our team play in person. So two quick questions, you know, on that. So, so firstly, how important is it for, um, to have fans for your team's financials? Cause obviously league mm-hmm. one and, and, uh, the championship rely a lot on game day revenue for, mm-hmm. um, for, for vast majority of, of your earnings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how important yeah. is that? I mean, was it ever discussed having, um, having closed door matches or was that always going to be more or less off the table for, at least for the independent teams? Yeah, I mean, closed door uh, venues are, are are definitely a reality, and, and, and for some markets, a probability. Uh, and that could come to Richmond as well. So that's the thing when we make these decisions on the intent to play and protocols, we we honestly don't know what each market's going to play out. You know, and, and you're reading the same news I am. So um, it's it's going to be market by market. You could have a situation where uh, a market can have a thousand fans like Richmond, and things are going pretty well and they feel confident about our protocol and they allow us to go to 2000 or you could have a situation where Richmond has an outbreak or Virginia has issues and they decide to cut back to zero fans. Um, and, and honestly, that could conceivably happen stops and starts in terms of fans, uh, closed door, et cetera, during the season. Um, and that would not surprise me at all. And in fact, I, I, I think that could even happen to some markets. We don't know if it'll be ours or otherwise. So you, you have to be flexible and um, we're going to do our absolute best to, to get fans to the games because they crave it and it's good for the community, particularly in this time of discord. Um, people crave sports. They crave being together safely. They crave, you know, cheering for their, their, their team and their civic pride. And, um, you know, sports are an incredible, uh, powerful uh, connector. And I, and I think it's, it's, I'm so happy that the USL and the ownerships there and these clubs are, are really trying to do this as best we can because the easy way out would be just cancel the season and just write it off and winterize and get ready for 2021. So d- discuss a little bit about, um, you know, something unique to Richmond, and that's that you have a local television uh, deal as well. How, how important is that, you think, going to be for the club just to remain, you know, a significant part of the community if you're only if you're limited to the number of fans that you could have in the stadium? Yeah, so um, just so everybody listening knows that, that the ESPN Championship, I'm sorry, the, the USL Championship and USL League One, all the games are broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. Um, there are a, a few special games here and there that are broadcast on like an ESPN or et cetera, but the, essentially ESPN Plus is our, is our, is our platform. It, it's tremendous. I mean, I, it's high quality, as you can imagine, from, from you know, just ESPN standards. And it's it's available, you know, around the country, and so that that's a huge huge partner for for the league, and and, and I'm super happy about that. But then each market, if they want to, they can go out and get a uh, what we call a linear partner, so not a digital partner like ESPN Plus, but a linear partner, uh, and with us at CBS Six, and they've been with the club for a while, and they're 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 it's a great network, great channel, great people. Um, so we're, we're super happy to continue with them, and um, we're hopeful that they can carry as many games as possible. And that will be determined once our, our schedule is released, you know, in terms of on their, on their, on their flagship station or otherwise, but they, they are great. And that's a, another advantage to have that. Not that ESPN plus is uh, being replaced by that, but for some folks, they, they, they're happy to be on regular TV. And, and you've done a interesting partnerships with them in terms of, um, you know, both, uh, 
things about social distancing and, and Black Lives Matter and, and the like. What, was that something that was driven that, that came from the club or was it a collaboration? Just, you know, people saying, what can we do to, um, you know, get some folks in the, uh, on the pitch? So I, I know that you guys were giving away, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, what was it, rally towels or something um, mm-hmm. with uh, um, along with CBS 6 down there in Richmond. What was, um, mm-hmm. you know, what was the impetus for those, uh, you know, kind of, you know, very personal personal and, and uh, interesting commercials for which obviously are, is driving visibility for the kickers, but also, um, you know, for some of these important uh, issues that are going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, uh, our mission statement is strengthening community connections. So sure, we want to win soccer games and win a championship. Um, but at the core, it's strengthening community connections, in particular, when a season is you know, delayed and, and and as issues like this one has, and this year has been so special, let's go back to that core mission. And so if we can't play games and, and, and be on the field, what other ways can we interact with the community? And that that should be 365 anyway. So, um, you know, CBS 6 as a partner, um, what we did with them is collaborate on a few different ideas and, and all of our sponsors and partners, for to be honest, um, you know, just to find ways to strengthen what they're doing in the community and vice versa. Um, so we've done a ton of new, uh, digital, uh, content just because we don't have games. And so, I mean, our, our, our whole staff is really dug in, not just our two folks that handle communications and digital, but our whole staff is really dug in. Like, what else can we do to uh, spread awareness of our team and our club? And how do we interact with our current fans? How do we engage with new fans? How do we involve our partners? So all those things are exciting in, and I think they're going to shift a lot of changes moving forward as well. But um, I think that one was, uh, you know, to be honest, we, we ordered uh, 2,500 uh, rally towels, red rally towels that we were going to give away the first game. And we got them in for the first game. And then the first game got, got delayed and delayed and delayed. And like, all right, they're just in a closet. Let's, let's do something with them. So we decided to use them as a partnership and a fundraiser and with the proceeds going to Feed More, um, which helps families in Central Virginia um, that are, are insecure on a food level. So uh, again, you know, the, one of the advantages of having, you know, properly local, you know, sports teams being able to help the community. But let's turn a little bit to the soccer side now. So uh, you guys hired mm-hmm. a new coach. Um, you, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't have a great season last year. Uh, you mm-hmm. brought in Darren mm-hmm. Swatsky from FC Tucson. Mm-hmm. Um, how's his integration mm-hmm. been going? And you know, what's been the feedback from players and the and the rest of the coaching staff who uh, who are. Uh, our legacy uh, with his uh, with his integration with the with the team right now. Yeah, I mean, we had a home run with Darren, and um, you know, I, I had known of Darren for a while in a couple of different ways. But um, when we started to really look at the the list of folks that were applying for it, and even utilized him on the front end for ideas on people and qualities of people, um, you know, he pretty much raised his hand like, "Hey, I, I, the more." I learned about you guys. I feel like I could be a great fit. And so he kind of walked his way into the, to the applicant pool, if you will. And, and once we started having conversations, it just took off. Um, I mean, he is just energy wise, um, tactical wise, um, people skill wise, um, communication wise. I mean, he is just top shelf and I just can't really overemphasize how impressed I am by him every single day. Um, and I know he's energized the players, and, and we did keep a fair amount of the players, about 12 or so from last year's team. Um, 
and then, you know, he brought in another 12 or 13 uh, of new players. And for me, it was really important that we, we make that right fit because that person is, is direct in the sporting side and um, you, know, you win and lose by leadership. Right. So uh, we're super happy and can't wait to, to show the fans, um, the players and how hard they were working in the preseason and during this COVID-19 stage. Uh, I'm confident uh, about where we're going to be. But with that said, we have no idea how the other teams are going to be. Um, so obviously they could have improved tremendously as well. So I can't make any bold promises, but I can say that it's going to be an exciting team to watch. And um, if people want more insights and perspectives on Darren, the best way to do that would be to go to our YouTube page and watch um, our coach's corner where he's done 15, 20, 25 minute interviews, if you will, with Will Selden, who's in our, in our staff. And it, you can really get a feel of what Darren's like as a coach and a person, a leader um, through those, through those uh, YouTube videos. Great. Matt, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today before I let you go? I guess I would just say thanks uh, fans for your patience and thank you, Ira, for, for your leadership and congratulations on this podcast and, and beautiful game network. And, and, and obviously the work you're going to be doing moving forward with your own club in New Jersey. And, um, it's, you know, again, soccer is just so powerful. It's, it's the global game, and um, it's so important that we, we galvanize together, and, and soccer can be a great way to do that. It can be a catalyst uh, to, to come out the other side of all this. And, um, you know, USL is, is a great league that, that will withstand this um, for a lot of reasons, but mainly because our fans, um, ownership, of course, as well. But, but and I say the fans, is they, are, they are essential and vital. And you, you talked about, revenue streams and it's it's fans like fans buying season tickets fans buying merchandise fans coming to the game rain or shine um supporting their team through even tough seasons like that's that's the lifeblood um and it's also the soul of the club so everybody is dependent on the fans and so that that relationship and um their passion their enthusiasm their sacrifice uh through this is is critical so can't thank the fans enough and um, it'll help the sport continue to grow uh, moving forward. Great. Well, that was Matt Spear, the president of the Richmond Kickers. Matt, thanks again for coming on League One Fun. We'll talk to you as the season progresses. Sounds good, Ira. Take care. Welcome back to League One Fun. I'm here with Matt Denny. You know, Matt, I have to say something. Even though you're the general manager of North Texas SC, how come three or four general managers or presidents of USL League One clubs um, are Matthews? Um, it, it's it's a, a very disproportionate. I mean, we just had Matt Spear on the show, and now and now you're coming on. And, of course, Matt Hominoff is up in uh, Omaha, and, and presumably you'll get to play them in one of your first matches of, uh, of, of their um, inaugural season. Um, you know, just a f- funny coincidence, or, you know, do you guys have like a Matthew club or something that you try and get people in? <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. I've never actually uh, noticed that. It's a, it's a good observation. I think we probably need to start that club. <laughs> um, so, so obviously, a lot's been going on with COVID, and um, you know, I, I'm trying to keep things a little light here. Um, but between COVID, Black Lives Matter, a lot's been going on. 
um, outside of the soccer world, and, and obviously a lot of things have been put on hold and a lot of things are changing. Um, you know, for, as a club, being, a, b- being the second team for FC Dallas, um, you know, how have you integrated with uh, a lot of the activities that FC Dallas has been uh, doing during this uh, period of time uh, with, uh, you know, between training and, and your, you know, your move to the new stadium in Arlington and all of that? Um, you know, just you have the floor, you know, how how are you feeling and, and what's uh, what have you been doing with uh, with the team? Um, no, it's, it's, it's great questions and uh, it's been an interesting process. Um, you know, to say the least, it's, um, we're very fortunate to have a, a, such a good pool of players, obviously other facilities we have. So we're in a great position in terms of uh, just the access we have to everything. Um, in terms of how quickly this all happened, uh, you know, we were kind of really moving fast and, and we didn't have an idea of the extent this w- would take. But, um, you know, with the first team, uh, we've been sharing you know, best practices and, you know, our policies and procedures with training, but uh, we've really kind of separated into bubbles without um, any crossover on staff and, and players. So um, we've, we've been in a fortunate position because we actually had more more signed players this year than we did last year. Um, so we're, we're in a better position than if this had happened, you know, last year, we'd been very short on players, but we've got some, some exciting um Exciting players. We've been able to to pull some players from our our academy, which has been fantastic. And uh, you know, it's going to provide some opportunity for people. Um, we just had to, to, you know, dig deep on our player pool and 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 be dynamic. So it's uh, it's been an interesting process, but we've got you know really good staff here and and you know just people that are, are passionate about what they do. And uh, you know, it's happened where um, people have been expected to do a ton more and dig deep and. Uh, and we're in a good position. I think we're, we're going to be um, as prepared as we can be. And when you see the players out there, they're, they're raring to go. You know, they're, they're ready for the first game. They keep asking me, you know, when's uh, is 18th going to happen? Are we starting? Are we playing? And they're, they're ready to go. So how has how team cohesion been? Because obviously with, um, with, with the Black Lives Matter movement and, um, and a lot of the, the social upheaval that, that happened after the unfortunate events of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, um, you know, have, have the, the players all come together? Did you guys, you know, have a deliberate um, interactions between, you know, the staff and, um, and the players in the front office to ensure team cohesion? Um, you know, what, what did you do, if anything, in regard to that? Yeah, I think that, you know, it, it's so important that, that we recognize, you know, just, just this platform and the opportunity we have to, to do something and make a difference. And, you know, we've been working, you know, the, the team side, um, they, they just want opportunity and, you know, basically everything united. And there's, there's an opportunity here where we can bring people closer together. And we're looking at just opportunities in our platform that we can do stuff in the community and, uh, and recognize that, you know, things need to be done and, and uh, it's an opportunity for change. And um, this is something that's shared from, from top down um, throughout the whole organization. And uh, it's something we're really behind and we're looking at opportunities and things that we can do uh, to make an impact. And, you know, FC Dallas, we just, uh, just launched today a, a new platform uh, where we're going to, it's called C- Connect, Create, Unite, and um, just things we can do in the community to, to make a difference. And I think sport's such a great platform for that. 
So let's turn a little bit more toward something that you guys have been working on very uh, diligently. And and Texas, you know, at least from a um, closure perspective, hasn't been as impacted as other um, as some other locations with uh, from COVID. So um, are you guys going to be playing in Arlington or are you going to be back in in, Fr- in Frisco or what's your uh, plans for the launch of the season? Yeah, so we're we're going to be playing in Arlington. That's that's our home, and that's where we uh, we ch- we chose to go. We want to embrace that community and, and make an impact. And uh, you know, we started to have a lot of traction and, and you know make a real impact. We had a lot of momentum going into that that area and that community, and it's something we're we're committed to. So we want to continue that. And uh, you know, the the Rangers have been great partners and, and very accommodating, uh, especially with everything going on and some uncertainty here. So. Um, for us, it's, it's what we wanted to do is play there. Um, so, so yeah, we're going to be playing all our games um, at Globe Life Park, which we're excited about. It's, it's an amazing facility, and it's uh, you know something that we want to make that our, our home and our our home stadium. So, it didn't really make sense to do uh, you know keep the games in Frisco so much when we have the opportunity to play there. Um, obviously, barring any conflict and, and and something, there's still an opportunity here as a, a secondary venue, but we really want to make that our home and, and embrace that. So um, we're looking forward to that. And so as the you prepare for the return to play in about four weeks' time from, from when we're speaking here on the 25th of June, what, um, you know, what, what types of conversations have you been having with local and state health officials about um, how you're going to have to operate on game day versus what you were anticipating before the COVID crisis hit? Yeah, to be honest, we've been working closely with the, the league, um, the Rangers, just to ensure that we're, we're um, adhering to all the local you know, policies and guidelines and, um, and ensuring social distancing. We've been fortunate because, you know, in this area, currently we can have 25% there. And, uh, and at Globe Life, we have opportunity to, to spread out, open up more seats than we were planning. Um, so, so we do have a good opportunity there with a lot of space where we can create a real safe environment for people to come out and, and watch um, watch our game so we're, we're fortunate in that respect but we're uh, we're working through it now and it's uh, every day is, is there's new information coming out but um you know we've got the league the league protocols with the the pa agreement and the back to play protocols being ratified um yesterday so we're working with the the league protocols and the stadium and just making sure we're all uh, on the same page and operating at um a high level that you know, people that come to games feel safe and, and they have a, a safe environment to come watch the games. And and how much of that do you can have to do and how much of that is the stadium venue? Because you're, you're actually a guest in the stadium, right? You, you don't have full control. Um, is that correct? So so, so do you have no, to that's right. ask them? Yeah. That's right. So they're, they're going to have stadium protocols and procedures and, and we have our league ones and we kind of get together and, and we we function at the, the highest level. So if, if the stadium's operating and functioning at a higher level, then, you know, the league protocols call for or vice versa, we'll, we'll adhere to the higher um, safety standard. And that's, that's similar with what we've done with, uh, with our back-to-play protocols. You know, when a lot of teams went back to practice, you know, for, for two weeks, maybe it was even three weeks, we, we weren't passing a ball back and forth between players because we were adhering to, you know, the MLS guidelines and, uh, and protocols. So, so we kind of, uh, we mesh together on on when we have different uh, protocols and we just you know pick the highest functioning one and and kind of stick to that 
So let's turn to, you just mentioned training, and obviously a lot of your team, a lot of your players last year went up and down uh, from the first team to the second team, you know, and, and even early this season, it was nice to see guys like, you know, Tanner Tessman uh, do some great things for Dallas on the first team, having come through uh, North Texas last year and being such an impact player. What, um, you know, how, how are you planning on kind of, I guess, forming and, and, you know, ensuring that you have, um, you know, a solid roster, at least in the beginning of the season, call it, you know, July 18th through the beginning of August, given that the first team is, you know, hopefully for you guys going to be in Orlando for the MLS's back tournament. Yeah. So, so as I say, it's, um, it's one of those things where we are, I keep saying we're fortunate, but we've got a great pool of players, um, you know, up and down. So it's, it's forced us to, to kind of um, expedite the process on some of the academy players and, and put them in, in situations. And, and, you know, we're calling on some of them. And we've got um, a bigger roster this year, um, just with contracted North Texas players. But it's one of the things that kind of, the unique thing about our, our organization is, is opportunity arises. And it's, uh, it's amazing for those players, you know, in the academy to get the opportunity now to, to be part of our training. Um, it's amazing when, you know, the first team players get minutes and opportunity comes up and in football, you never know, you never know when, um, like Carlos Avalos, he, he just got um, added to the, the first team roster for the Orlando trip. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that it can happen just, just quickly. And, and as a professional player, you've just got to be ready for that opportunity. And when it comes up, um, you seize it. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, professional soccer players it's it's there's some luck included in, in the direction your career goes and um we're we're fortunate to have that and i think it's something that our players get motivated for is, is just be ready for when that opportunity comes up and um, situations like this could be why you know so and and maybe you're not the best person to ask i should probably ask coach but um you know you you had some player movement where you had guys like uh arturo rodriguez leave the club and and you know one or two others obviously like you mentioned if if carlos avalez is up at the first team uh you have to have other teams uh players come behind anyone who strikes you as being someone who we really should look out for like you know like we didn't really know last year um you know as as just as as viewers i i was about to say casual viewers we, i became much more than a casual viewer very quickly um but you know who like you know it was pretty clear after a couple of matches that arturo rodriguez was the guy to watch and uh and was really a mover and shaker on north texas so you know anyone who you think we could we, we should be looking out for now whether they played on the team last season or uh are just coming in new to the team this year yeah no I, I i love this question but i hate it at the same time um i hate to single out somebody and it's one of those things that you know from from week one to the last game of the season and anybody in our squad can be that that surprise or make an impact but um the players we brought in you know obviously we're really excited to see them uh, you know one man well is a really exciting prospect and uh and and just amazing to watch, uh, really solid there. And, uh, you know, one thing that would be interesting for you, I think as a, you know, as a league one fan is, is, um, Alex Bruce, um, seeing him in our system, um, he's, he's going to really flourish in, in the system and the style of play that we play. So it's going to be interesting seeing him last year for a different team and then seeing him, uh, seeing him in our system and, and seeing, uh, how much he flourishes there. And, uh, and, you know, the cool thing is you've got, you know, Ronaldo, um, the Golden Boot winner, see if he can he continue his streak. And, 
and go from there. But I think that there's there's a lot of good players in our um, in our squad that you know the opportunity is there for them to make a name for themselves and, and the style of play that we play. Um, you know, it's it's as much about the team as it is in individuals, and uh, it's something that Eric, you know, really really stresses it's, it's the team effort and you've got to be selfless in, in, in the team and the style of football we play. So it, since you brought up Alex Bruce, let's talk a little bit about how how did he get into the FC Dallas North Texas system? Like what was the process there? I mean, you guys obviously played against them, um, but what was the, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about kind of interleague moves. And, and that was an interesting one uh, from from our perspective here on League One Fun. So, um, you know, can you tell us like, you know, how did you decide that you wanted him? How did you go after him? And, you know, ultimately, how was the decision made to bring him on to the team? Yeah, I think it was something that, you know, as uh, soon as, you know, Lance unfolded, it's, um, you know, we looked <laughs> we looked through the roster and see who fit our profile of age and, and players. And uh, and with Eric having coached him before and winning the national championship at, you know, academy level, it was, uh, you know, he had a great relationship, good experience with him. And uh, he he lobbied for him as a player that would, would work for us. And uh, he's not disappointed. So, um, that relationship he had with, with Alex helped, obviously. And, uh, you know, you see him out in training, he's just a natural goal scorer. And is, is he on a, is he on a USL contract or is, does, you know, which doesn't really matter. I mean, obviously if he's good enough, he could always, you know, move up to the first team. I'm sure you could find a spot for him on, on that roster, but, um, but but how do you determine you know which players end up on USL contracts versus obviously getting you know homegrown deals but but basically get loaned down to North Texas for a bulk of the season like how, how does that decision get made and is that is that made um, obviously not at your level but you know there has to be discussions I guess between a bunch of people in both the the front office as well as obviously in the coaching side. Yeah, I mean that's something that is it's definitely a high level discussion, and there's, there's a lot of factors involved in that. So it's uh, truly our, you know, um, Andre, our technical director, and and his team, and, um, are kind of the, the decision makers when it comes to that. But while I'll share is that you know everybody we sign to a North Texas contract um, is somebody that that we foresee having potential to make an MLS contract, and that's the reason we're signing them is is to to take a look and develop them and, and, you know, hopefully progress. And that's the next step. So it's, it's something that our players really kind of uh, embrace and you see them out of practice and, you know, you can see, you know, on a typical, you know, before COVID they were training on the field next to the first team. And sometimes you get called into first team practice and, you know, get to train with the first team. And that opportunity is something that you just don't get, you know, at other places. So, um, for me, it's, it's such an opportunity. And if, if somebody's going to excel and develop, this is the, the right environment for them. We're, we're, we're pushing our players and we're giving them opportunity. So since you're making Arlington your home now, do, do you think that there's certain challenges, you know, having such a fluid roster where, you know, you don't necessarily have a franchise player or two who you expect to be with the team for, you know, two or three seasons? Like, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't pretend that I'm not. I'm a New York Red Bulls fan. I've been a, a Metro, I was a Metro Star supporter when you guys were the Dallas Burn, right? I, I you know, I remember those days. And um, so, you know, what we had the last couple of years, you know, guys like Bradley Wright Phillips or, um, 
sure. uh, you know, who, you know, people could rally around and ended up, you know, being that, that franchise player that people, you know, like to go see. Do, do you think being in Arlington, that might be a problem or are you going to play up the, you know, path to the first team kind of um, look when you're thinking about the marketing of the team in the local community? No, I think that's a great question. And it's something that, you know, we're embracing the fact that, you know, these are the next, the next stars and you've got potential to see players that, you know, you may see, you know, in the future participate in MLS, you know, internationally and, you know, for the national teams, it's something that, you know, imagine when you're younger and you could say you saw Michael Jordan before he was famous, you know, or before he was big. So um, I think for us, it's, it's an opportunity to see these, these young quality players that, um, you know, they're putting everything out there because they're, they're trying to make their next big break. And it's, uh, it, that's what we're kind of promoting and, uh, and embracing um, is that opportunity. And it, it really is. I mean, you come out, you, you saw the team last year, they're kind of, uh, they're putting everything out there and it's an exciting team to watch. That's great. Um, Matt, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today before, uh, before I let you go? No, just just stay safe, and um, you know we're doing our best to to get the the team playing and and, and back on the field, and, and we're excited. And when you watch our team, you know we're going to see an exciting team. There's a lot of hard work being done by our staff, and um, you know it's been a, it's been an interesting process, but we feel like we're 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 able to keep our players safe, and we're, we're putting together um, you know just an opportunity for fans to come watch in a safe environment and keeping our players safe at the meantime. And that's really kind of uh, the overwhelming thing right now is just uh, for everybody to, to keep safe and, and be smart and, uh, you know, appreciate your coverage of the league and everything you do. And, um, you know, all the fans out there that are um, supporting the league through this time. And, um, you know, hopefully we can, we can add another championship and ha- add another star by our crest for next year. Speaking about the championship, so, uh, you know, I thank you for hosting us uh, last year, and I, I'm glad I got to hold the cup. So so where is the cup right now? What what is what has been done with the, the USA League <laughs> One Cup? So it's been, uh, it's, been, it's been around a bit with the, the players and staff, and uh, we actually, we're, we're going to add it into the, the National Hall of Fame here in Frisco. So the, um, we're excited for that. We're going to um, take some coverage of us actually putting it in the trophy cabinet here. Um, so we we really are, are fortunate to have the trophy. We feel it's uh, it is already a piece of of soccer history, being the first um, championship for League One, and um, yeah, it's going to live uh, in the Hall of Fame, um, National Soccer Hall of Fame here. And maybe it will continue to be there if you can repeat. So thank you very much. That was Matt Denny, the general manager of North Texas SC.